have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of On Another Level. I'm your host and also the producer of On Another Level. Again, I have an amazing, amazing show because I have an amazing, amazing guest, Dr. Brandi Brooks. She is the doctor in the house. We're gonna talk about health and wellness in the black community. Welcome. Hello. And we're gonna have a little short, little spoken word thing about, you know, sort of an overall situation with health and wellness. And we'll be right back here on Another Level. I was always taught to be strong in this world. Told to never let my guard down because at any moment I could be attacked without a moment's notice that my skin made me a target. Skin that has persevered through many trials and tribulations from seeing my mama raped by landlords to my father being beaten and stripped of his manhood to my brothers and sisters being separated into jobs for this bigger system. My skin has always been under attack. Yet somehow we prevailed through it all, through all the lynchings, literacy tests, new Jim Crow's, war on drugs, the gentrifications, police brutalities, food deserts, mass incarcerations. We survived and adapted and pushed to change because our very existence depended on it. Our very existence depends on this, this black strength Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity and feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. On top of that, we lack proper mental health care access and endure mistreatments by medical professionals who cannot relate to us in their practice. On top of that, we stigmatize mental illness to preserve this place of our strength, damaging ourselves and among black children observing a spike in suicide rates? Because they may feel that their place in heaven is way better than their place here today because when black light isn't valued enough for professional help, adequate housing, or even breathing, life here degrades in value in comparison to life after. Black bodies. Strong black souls are floating through the wind, seamlessly letting go. Strong black bodies are screaming for help, but suffering in silence and being socially and systematically being put on quiet. Black souls are strong, but we do need help when we do fall through the cracks. That is why I want you to know that you can patch things up with me. All right, we can kick it back like it was a drive through movie in the 1970s. We can get some help from people who actually understand us, refute our standards of stigmatizing mental illness, and fight against the structures that chronically misdiagnose what this really is. Fight against the racism that brings up our mental health issues and lowers our treatment options, bringing us one step closer to seeing no other option. I want us to see that we have a way to heal this wound that has been widening ever since day one with no means of contracting. I want us to know that the seed that we sow today is the harvest we reap tomorrow. 
And when we finally reap, we can find peace in these moments, noticing that the danger isn't gone, but we finally have a place where it feels like it is, the grounding of black bodies. Thank you. Thank you, Devante Sanders, Funches, and Ted Docs for sharing that. I always like to include young people because they have a voice. I, I have a young spirit, but you know, my body reminds me of just how much time has passed. But we have a certain amount of time. When I talk to this guest, this guest, my guest right here, Dr. Brandy Brooks, we could talk a dog off a meat wagon, honestly. When we start talking about anything, and I just love, I could sit here and just watch you and your beautiful smile. But, and so you also are in Java with Jimmy and you're also being, um, and then you also work with um, my wonderful friend, Toy Burton and Dee Dee's Cry. And I think you work with Naisha D too in Pure Spark, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're. So oh, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that the need is so great. I try to, when possible, particularly if it impacts my community, I try to be available. And you know, when you called me and you were like, "Brandy, can you come?" We ended up. We talked about me coming for stuff. maybe like five minutes, and then the rest of the hour and a half, we were on the all of us need some help. Yes. I'm not I'm not yes. immune to need some help. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. I, it's, I, real. It is, it's, it's real. It's real. It's real in the community. The like, only people that don't need help are dead people. Yeah. Anybody who's alive we who's all need doing help. anything. Yeah. And if you especially, you know, if you black in America, you need help. Now recently mm-hmm. I've had um some a situation where I've had like intense interactions with the health community, the hospitals mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. medical community and everything. And even at, I find for me, even at your most vulnerable um, situation where you're literally trying to seek professionals to help you with your life and your health and understanding what's going on, mm-hmm. I still still feel like I have to fight. Like yeah. I have to advocate myself on the hospital do. bed, talking to doctors and nurses and whatever. Now, let me just say, I have an amazing, and, and I want to say this to the camera, <laughs> I have an amazing black gynecologist. She is a rock star. Dr. Charlay K. Butler at Brigham and Women's. She helped to save my life and she helped from keeping other doctors, plural, from railroading me into an unneeded hysterectomy. That's enough as I'm gonna say about that. Thank God. And mm-hmm. so when I find a black professional such as yourself, or Dr. Butler, and is, you know, my gynecologist is, Ni- is Nigerian, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to butcher her name up because I always have to be looking at her name when I, mm-hmm. Imada Jimo, Dr. Imada Jimo, she's my dermatologist. I've tried to find as many, not just uh, professionals of color, but African-Americans and black people, mm-hmm. because there's a different cultural understanding and a competency that you need when it comes down to um, advocating for yourself. Absolutely. Right. And so when you and I talk about mental health and wellness, it's one thing when you can actually see the injury, you could see the illness mm-hmm. and there are tests and diagnoses. But when you're talking about healing your brain and yeah. healing your emotions and and as an adult um, and as a black woman, we tend to mask a <laughs> lot of different things. And so people say so you can say it like you'll say, I'm how you doing? Oh, I'm not doing so good. Oh, hey, have a good day. You look mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. You look fine. And and so we have heard even as recently as today, and I'm praying for those families in Tennessee, in, Tennessee. in Nashville. Yeah. You know, yeah. a woman in her 20s yeah. killed three babies. They're babies yeah. and three, you know, Adults. teachers yeah. in, in a school, in a Christian 
school. Elementary school, yeah. Right? And so it's like, what has to, ha what is happening in your head? Mm -hmm. So that, because to me, animals and babies are innocent. Like, if any, mm -hmm. everybody else has got ulterior motives. Sometimes, depending mm -hmm. on the kind of kid that you have and baby, you might think they have an ulterior motive too. But for the most part, mm -hmm. kids come out, they're innocent, they're wide awake, especially when they're in school. They're like, play, 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 and the whole thing. So to, you know, to go in with assault weapons, and there was a premeditation, and she's now dead too. Mm -hmm. So you've got seven families directly impacted mm -hmm. by murder. Yeah. And premeditated Plus murder. Plus the, the other children who witnessed that exactly. and were in fear or had to hide in their classroom or the aunts and uncles and the grandparents the parents. of those kids. Because one of the things when they said that the police were called, emergency services were called, parents were told to go to a different location and wait. And can you imagine what that wait is like? I can imagine. And unfortunately... For. Too many PPS parents can imagine mm -hmm. because we've already had, even before the summertime and weather got really, we've mm -hmm. already had incidents in the school mm -hmm. where parents may or may not have gotten timely information about an incident happening near the school, in the school, outside of the school, involving the school, on a school bus. Yeah. And so you may get it on social media first from somebody else that kept their cell phone or anything in there texting, mm -hmm. you know, a classmate or texting their parents, and then you hear about it before it hits the news and before the um, school officials get a chance to regroup and say this is what the official this statement is. is. Yeah. Because yeah. of law school suits and things like that. Coordination yeah, it, of services. and It's the thing is, is as you brought up in the beginning and hey, y'all. Brandy, Dr. Bree here again, uh, mental health advocate, uh, deputy director at Higher Ground, uh, director of operations for Dee Dee's Cry, Roxbury Unity Parade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, one of the things you mentioned was about kind of the healthcare system and the conundrum that we are under as black people. And I always look at it as kind of a four pillar problem. Oh, that only we have. four? Yeah, well, four major. Okay. Okay, four major. Okay, one. So one is, that we have a history of discriminatory practices and- Oh, you're being nice. I call them flat out racism. Discriminatory practices, racism, all the other isms that have occurred historically. So you have that where folks are like, I don't want nothing to do with any system that did X to my grandmother, did X to my aunt. Forced sterilization. Yeah, did, nobody, Experimentation. they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. Then you have the second pillar, which is what I call the access pillar. And there are many other terms you can put underneath or that. Or lack but, of access. But, or lack of access. But essentially it is where even if you have health care, even if you have all of that, you may still have to wait in terms of accessing mental health, behavioral health services. And even when you do access, we may not have access to the wonderful doctors that you have. And so you end up in a space where your needs are not being met on any level by the folks that you are seeing. Now, don't, before you go to number uh -huh. three, so some yeah. of the lack of access is insurance or not yeah. having insurance. It's um, competent. Physicians, physicians um, medical facilities in yes, your area, facilities, transportation. transportation, and then there's even the economics of it too, is that even if you have insurance, can you cover co-pays? Can you cover the medication? Can you cover if you have to be out of work for that? Like there's access, again, that's why I said big umbrella, because you know, we, we can talk. But. And then also, <laughs> even if you have that, when you get home, you may need additional care. Support. 
yes. support. And do you have somebody at home that is there for you and right. can take care of you? And that's not always the case. I think we take it for granted that you have sick days. Like what, what that will what, cover you being sick. <laughs> that will cover you being sick. Like, you know, and and we talked about on the phone prior to this in terms of how our system lags behind other Western cultures in terms of paid time off and mm -hmm. leave, mm -hmm. maternity, paternity, you know, and if you have to grieve the loss of a child or a loved one. So there are many things in that. That's the second pillar. Okay, so number three. The third You know I'm gonna keep you on track. I, now, I know, right? I know. I'm at this clock no, 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 and I'm no. going. I, I, I be I be like, okay. The third <laughs> pillar is the pillar I call, even if you are able to access, mm -hmm. even if you have all of that, as a black person, you have to be, your symptomology has to be near death for someone to believe you. And there are many studies Come on, that talk about back that, one. that up in terms of black and brown people literally dying, waiting for care because their symptoms weren't believed. Or folks said, oh, that can't be it. Hold and it. they didn't you question. You don't feel pain, you're not you really don't feel in pain. pain. Like I remember literally once I got hit by a car, y'all, okay? Again, thank God the car was going only like a couple, like 10 miles an hour, and I had no physical injury, right? So like it wasn't a bruise or anything, but I knew something went right. So I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, well, you, you know, you, walk, you walked here. And I was like, it don't, let me tell you, I got hit by a car that was traumatic. And so I need you to do some x-rays. I need were, you to were do you some Were you already a doctor at this point or were you just a regular person? Um, yeah, I, I had a doctor behind my name. But you know, as they say, like, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. Mm. And so, you know, you, you get a little bit like, mm, okay, you a doctor, mm. but not that doctor. Mm. So, you know, but, but it, and it was so eye-opening because again, I consider myself an informed person, someone who like is in the field and I'm like, I'm gonna do preventative care, all of that. And they were like, well, we'll write you a note, but I'm like, you'll write, I, <laughs> I, I was like, ooh. ooh let the, it's like, let the ancestors stay, stay calm, right? Okay, so that's the third track. Then the fourth track, and this one is very important and we see this every single day is, our black and brown bodies, minds, spirits valued mm. at the same Come on. level Come on. as other communities. And that's health, that's finances, that's mental, that's spiritual, that's everything is. And so you have that coupled on all these other layers and pillars that we talked about, which equals a system that overall does not service every community to the way it should. Can I add to and that? And that's bottom line. And I don't know if this is the number, <laughs> number five pillar. Mm -hmm. um, the research that is done so that the professionals can base their conclusions or hypotheses or theories or diagnoses or recommendations on are usually based on research on white men and not even people of color and definitely not even women. So they're giving their diagnoses and they don't, have, don't even have the data to be able to make that decision based on who you are. Yeah, I mean, there, there's many um, studies that say that when it comes to black and brown folks, our numbers are underreported. When it comes to mental health and mental wellness, that's just period. Oh, and medical stuff, and, cancer. And medical, breast... like as a whole. And, and some say, well, why is that? 
It's not that it's not happening in our communities. It's not that our pain isn't the same. It's just that the value of our pain is not the same. And so when our communities are suffering as they did during the pandemic, mm. right? I mean, like, let's let's get real about this in terms of where did all the money get funneled when the pandemic happened? Okay, I'm going to take a sip where while you talk it, about well, that. I mean, no, no. And this is just, a, just as, like follow the money is, you know, because at least now you'll hear some say is that where the money is, is where our priority That's is. Right. And so where is the money? And, and as a whole, and so there is something that has to be said about this. It is a race, it is a class, gender. it is a gender issue. It is so many things coupled together that is literally leading to our community dying. And being killed. And being killed. And being neglected. Yeah, and, and so when you say the instance of, you know, folks literally waiting till the house is on fire, to say, oh, shoot, I should have had smoke detectors. It's because the system is designed to do that. And so, you know, it's one of those things in terms of, as we'll talk later, is how do we counteract that? What's right. the balance for that? If it's individually or collectively, how do we say enough is enough? Well, we've if, been saying enough is you know, enough. Like, but, I mean, but I mean in a way that moves the needle to where it's not just the moment or individuals, it's a community and it's a collective. So we're going to talk about that <laughs> later, but um, okay. I thank know you we for, go, we be. Thank, right? I'm focusing, right? So <laughs> how do we get through this in less than an hour? Um, so the so the the physical and what you can see versus what you can't see mm-hmm. complicates that, no matter what race or gender, yeah. whatever you are. Because as human beings, in order to just process something, we're going on what our senses are too. How does it look? How does it feel? How does it smell? How does it whatever? Like, can I see that you have something can I wrong see with it? you? Right. Nope, can't see it. Okay. So, and then on top of that are certain uh, inherent biases or ignorance, either, either uh, ignorance because of lack of exposure and communication or direct racially color aroused ignorance um, and discrimination, right? And so in Boston, which has more colleges and universities and hospitals per square mile than any place else in the world, mm-hmm. and, and, and several, several hospitals that are classified as world-class hospitals, there are still situations where black folks don't get seen, mm-hmm. black folks don't get the same treatment, we're not looked on in the same way, even when we have the money, the educational uh, attainment, uh, the insurance coverage, black women have, have a high enough mortality rate to compare with countries that have no hospitals and no, and so to have our children dying at the same level as if we had no hospitals and no medical facilities or anything is a red flag. The reports are already there. Um, people have tried to legislate it and still the needle doesn't get moved at a mm-hmm. time when we've got more black and people of color, legislators, administrators, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to put this out here now, but I know we're going to answer it after the break. But um, I want not necessarily for us to think about it, but the viewers to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to you when you go to the hospital? When do you decide to go. <laughs> when you have to go to the hospital? Like what needs to happen with you? <laughs> 
And if you know something is not happening that should be happening when it comes to your doctor, your pharmacist, your PCP, your specialist, your nurse, your whatever, what do you do and how far do you go to advocate for yourself? I know that's a lot. So I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. Uh, and I know some of y'all, we're going to try to have some phone calls later on. I don't know if that's going to happen because we got no, a lot of ground to cover. Call you know, <laughs> Call in, right? Um, and tell us some of the experiences. Not no long-winded story about, you know, when I was down and my toe hurt and it turned. No. But I would tell I you. I ain't that type of doctor, y'all. <laughs> don't, don't call no, me. No, but you can your... say, let's, you know, let's talk about the scarcity yeah. of mental health professionals yeah. who are people who not only are black, but people of color and people who are multilingual. Yeah. What does that look like right now? So... Okay, so there's a couple of ways to look there's at this. There's you. There's a couple of ways and to look at And I think I can count maybe in, three other people that I know. In the United States, in terms of licensed psychologists that check an other box, there's 5%, period, in the U.S. Of everybody? Licensed psychologists. So of any gender, all the genders, all, all the, the races. <laughs> there are 5% for black. Three, for three, oh, 5% black. 5% okay, okay. black. 5% black, right? This is on another level. Black mixed with black with a side of black. Okay. So 5% black. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at clinical professionals in terms of social work uh, professionals, um, licensed clinicians, counselors, the percentage goes up. Uh, depending on the state, you may be looking at between 5 to about 15%. But even then, it's still not some explosion. And there's many reasons why uh, that is. Number one is attainment of degree, mm, as cost, we know. Cost of education. There's, there's cost of education, and then the other cost once you get the education. So you've spent four years of undergrad two years of master's, and then you have to go through your clinical practice and licensure and pass the test. So there's costs associated with that. And so that's not a journey everyone can do. That's number one. The second thing is, is the support and the structure for black professionals. So once you get to that level mm -hmm. is do you have mentorship that will help you sustain that level because there is burnout is real burnout is true and because there is such a need all of my friends who are licensed clinicians and stuff they're way have wait lists on wait lists mm -hmm. right and so because they know the need is great they may take on more clients which leads to oh. you know I mean again it can lead to burnout and so so hold on for a second yeah so is the cost of going to medical school licensing, uh, working in less than jobs so that you can get through school and everything. Mm -hmm. When you finally are a doctor and you have your licenses, do you make enough money to be able to cover the cost of living and to be able to pay back student loans and stuff? Depends. Depends okay. on what field you go into. Like, are you going into school? Are you going into nonprofit? Okay. Are you going into private? Um, you know, are you going into your own practice by yourself? It really just depends. But one of the things is you have to think of it like this is you are across from someone as they are unloading the traumas and the things that have hurt them the most. That they need help with, and which that is why they they're need, talking to you. And that's why they're talking to you. But again, one of the things we know when it comes to mental health is that the helping professions need help too. 
right. with their mental health. And so that's why I said, if there is not a mentor network and the ability for you to debrief, when you are hearing someone share something awful day after day after day after day, and you're helping them through it, but you have to be able to process and And then you have your it. life too. Yeah, you'd be okay. like, look, I, I gotta go outside. I need, I can't, I, I, just, I just can't do this right now. Right. And you know, and I've even had to tell people, it's like, I, I, can, I can talk with you, I can sit with you, I can do all of that, but I can't right now because I need to process some things right. or go, you know, do that. Give me a break. Yeah, I need, I need a break. Give me five feet, like. Or 20. <laughs> Adding the COVID footage. You know, <laughs> the COVID footage. 20. Right? You'd be like 25. Right? Mm -hmm. Next um, county. Yeah. How about that? State over. Virtual. You know uh, I mean? <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's very, very real. And so people who go into the profession, they may not stay in the profession. Mm. Um, and that's with anything, is that if you don't receive the support you need, you leave. Mo and money's not the only driver. Sometimes it's just the support. It's, it's just too, too much. Too much of one thing and not enough of another. It's too much. Because I was reading a study uh, last week about happiness. Like, what's the driver of happiness? Do you know what they said the driver of happiness? This was a, a Harvard study. 70% of folks said this was the number one driver for them, for happiness. Okay, you're going to have to tell me because I don't... It's relationship to and with other people. That makes sense. It makes sense, right? But think about that. You're in a profession where that is literally your profession, right. is to be in relationship to other folks. And so that can be heavy. Mm. And and so I, I, I don't fault anyone for making the best mental health decision for them. But one thing we need to do is we have got to really get serious about secession planning for mental health. Mm. Because one thing we know, our baby boomers are getting older and they will be leaving the workforce mm. within the next five, seven years or so. And not so. having the numbers to replace and them. And not having the numbers to replace them across the board. Because there are not enough people being born, basically. I mean, so there's that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like so many factors, one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. But there are things we can do. We can create more pathway programs for young people and really talk them through what does it mean what does it mean to get your license right wait wait, wait. let's what go even that, back what does let's, that let's mean go back even, what does it mean to be what to do what you do yeah what does it mean to do what you do like what does it mean to talk with people to you know open your own practice and like teach that in high school like well teach no no let's even bring it down even most basic thing yeah what does it mean who do you have to be what do you have to have to be a, a license yeah right mm -hmm. what does it take in terms of your personality, your emotional makeup, even your background and your baggage. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the perfect, there's no perfect anything, but what is the best or who is the best candidate to do what you do? Do you have to have a certain amount of em um, empathy? I would say the best candidate is someone who is empathetic. Um, someone who- Is a good listener. Is listening, yes, but hearing. Hmm. So everyone can listen. Like I could sit in any meeting and listen, but did I hear? Mm -hmm. Did I really receive it? Um, someone who is able to do that and someone that has the ability to, I don't, I don't know how to say this in a way that 
it be well received, but has the ability to make sure that they always create space and time and grace for themselves because you it can consume. So it's about compartmentalizing well, less, your part of it less, and their part less of it. compartmentalizing. When I say compartmentalize, it's like your stuff is here, their stuff is there, make sure it's not bleeding together. It's some of that, but it's hard to do that because, you know, if you're if you're an empathetic person, it bleeds in. But being able to say, I have to not do X Mm -hmm. so that I can focus on Y. It's more about that. Sometimes your stuff that happens at work lends itself into your home life. Mm -hmm. That happens. We're human beings. It's hard to just be like, oh, I'm a robot. And that happens. But it's more so being able to say, yes, this happens. But for right now. I need to put this over here so that I can focus on this. Mm. Um, so it's less compartmentalization. It's more being able to just say no sometimes. And again, give yourself space and grace. But I think the number one is empathy. So on that note, uh, and caring about where we are right now and where <laughs> you are right now, um, we're going to try to take some phone calls, but we have a short break. Don't go anywhere. This is not when those Call get us. up and go to the bathroom or texting or, you know, walk out of the room kind of break. We have some more information to present to you about black health and wellness. And along with uh, all this fascinating and really important information with my guest, Dr. Brandy Brooks, you're on another level. We hope to bring you there with us. Stay tuned. African-Americans, when it comes to our overall health, have the worst health that you can find in the country. And that African-American men and women lead in all top 10 causes or morbidity and mortality throughout the entire country. Well, some will say that, well, maybe that's because of, you know, and I can't go deep into this, but maybe that's because of the slave trade, the middle passage causing high blood pressure. But the fact is that African-American men have some of the worst health you can find of any people of African descent throughout the entire world. Uh, The only country that kind of mimics the United States would be Brazil, And and the fact is that when you look at the Caribbean, blacks live longer. And when you look at um, blacks in Africa, they live longer as well. But so why are we so sick here? And so you're looking at the issues we lead in high blood pressure for all ages, diabetes, stroke, and are more likely to die at early ages from all causes of health than any other American group. All right. So the fact is that there's something going on with the wellness of black people that's causing problems in our country. So why are black people unwell? And so I like to go back and refer to the eight dimensions of wellness done by SAMHSA, where you look at the factors that promote wellness in an individual. And so you look at financial issues, so far as being able to financially be satisfied to where you're able to take care of yourself. Social issues and the social discourse of how are you living inside of your environment? How is your environment impacting you? How well are you uh, connected to everything going around you? Spirituality, you also have the issues of occupation, the ability to have finances, to, to, you know, to be able to be satisfied in your work. The physical, so far as your physical health, your intellectual, the ability to grow, learn, and prosper from your knowledge and skills, and then your environmental health, so far as the factors in your environment that are stimulating, but also um, that are helping to cultivate how you physically react to your environment. And then, of course, the emotional, as psychiatrists and as mental health providers and nurse practitioners, the emotional is very important so far as, as they say, you know, it, you know, if you want to control a bull, I'm from Texas, you take the bull by its horns. 
So essentially, how your head goes is how the rest of your body reacts. Are you interested in learning to create television and web programming? Boston Neighborhood Network has what you need in our hybrid studio production class. Learn how to build a production in eight sessions. For more information, please head over to bnnmedia.org backslash services backslash workshop. Thank you, my illustrious director, Ashley Lewis. And um, we're in the, um, I don't, it's not downtown, uptown, or midtown <laughs> studios of BNN we TV Media. Well, you know, and, and there's that. So it's depending on who you talk to, they may say Jamaica Plain, but it is Roxbury. No, we in Roxbury. We're in the hood. We're not in the hood. We're in, Bur in the Burry, though. But it's a beautiful stu studio. If you want to learn to do what I do and what other people in front of the camera and behind the camera, then go to BNN Media. Dot org. You can look it up. You can Google it. You Google everything else. And then you can look at all the workshops. If you want to do radio, if you want to do television, you want to do production. And you can get that information and sign up for the workshops. Uh, come in and talk to people here. Get a look at the studios here. And um, it's not a mystery. You can learn how to do just what we do. I've just been doing it longer. <laughs> oh, quite a time. Um, and so thank you. And also Ike Benjamin, our audio engineer. I have to give props to our crew. Um, let's get back to what we were talking about. That clip was, was yeah. really comprehensive and really timely. However, for you and I, who've been dealing with this at varying levels, like you're a professional in terms of the medical mm -hmm. field, I am um, well experienced in various aspects of dealing with the medical profession because of situations I've had with either family members of myself or my, mm -hmm. my um, students or whatever. When you're an educator, you're a mandated reporter. Yeah. So you may see behaviors in the classroom mm -hmm. and because you don't live with these young people and you're not with their parents and you may or may not have a relationship with their parents, you may not know where this acting out in class or the chewing the pencils like or from. acting up or whatever, where it's coming from. But you're tasked with uh, teaching them, getting something done within a certain period of time. So there's that pressure of the lesson plan and the curriculum and everything. In the schools, I don't believe, and the research is bearing this out, that the social emotional aspects of the effects of the pandemic over three years has really been adequately addressed. Mm -hmm. Right now, BPS is under, the, under fire mm -hmm. in terms of, and you know, I've seen the school committee meetings with the um, superintendent, the new superintendent, Mary Skipper, God bless her, um, saying that, you know, this is our priority. We've got mm -hmm. ESSER funds, federal monies to deal with this. And we're putting um, social workers, we're putting, um, you know, second, you know, you've got special education teachers in there. So yeah. across the country, there has been um, a, a lack of teachers, period, whether they're teaching yeah. science and math, never mind counselors and mm -hmm. social support, excuse me, social support people. And in Boston, there's a talk about school security, yeah. right? Um, and putting $30 million towards cameras and police, bringing police yeah. back into the schools. Then you talk about school, the prison pipeline, that whole environment. Is that environment conducive to a learning environment when they've mm -hmm. got to go through middle detectives? I've worked in schools where the kids, primarily middle and high school kids, are going through metal detectives, they're getting their bags searched, and yet if somebody wants to w get a whipping or something in school, they get it in there. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to say that I don't really remember, and I could be wrong, um, a history of mass shootings in primarily public schools with students of color. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it tends to be out, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, someplace. I don't know what's up with Texas. Maybe it's the gun culture. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. But, and it tends to be uh, Caucasians, mm -hmm. right? And so if anybody was going to be underneath mental stress and going and shooting up people, mm -hmm. you would think it would be us. Like 400 years of oppression and subjugation. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a gun culture through rap music and hip hop music and that whole thing. And that's another whole show mm -hmm. where you can literally see how the music um, even even at the decibels that's being recorded and the rhythms that's being recorded triggers something psychologically and emotionally mm -hmm. to be people to be more aggressive and more violent. Yeah. That's another whole thing. But looking at what we're um, going through, the learning loss over mm -hmm. three years, you've got a generation that didn't even go to school for three years and weren't in kindergarten. So a lot of the places, and school is one of them, it socializes our kids mm -hmm. to be able to say, this is society, this is how you fit in, figure it out. Mm -hmm. We're not there. Zoom was not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so you have these kids coming back. And then you've got the middle and the high school kids that were negotiating that whole social construct of, you know, I fit in this clique, I don't fit in that clique. There wasn't a clique. It was a Zoom clique. Mm -hmm. And then now you're forcing them back into school, thinking you're going to put them back into the same routine when a lot of that routine was broken to begin with. When you're talking yeah. about um, the lack of professionals that can handle some of the traumas that our kids are dealing with, because you've got You've got young people who um, may not have their parents with them because mm -hmm. of either incarceration or because of deportation or because of broken homes and stuff. And so the things that we're taught that are supposed to be the social supports mm -hmm. since 1970s like have where are they? strategically, systematically been broken down when it comes to black and brown families. Yeah. So if that's one of the support systems and recognizing that over 85% of children of Black children, African-American children, are raised in primarily female-headed households. And we know that females, black females, do not get paid the same amount of money. Latino, Latina um, females either, however, their families tend to be more intact. So we get more of the social system. But we're talking about financially. All the stuff that this, this gentleman talked about in this piece was about the financial security, the mm -hmm. safety security in your neighborhood. The, the, um, the churches, the, the wise, the youth groups, all that other stuff mm -hmm. that either is not getting the funding, because we talked about where's the money going, mm -hmm. not getting the personnel, and even sometimes when you have the money, you can't find the people or the mm -hmm. qualified people. They look like they're qualified, right? The majority of the, the students in BPS, in the Boston Public Schools, are students of color. The majority of teachers are not. So then you're talking about someone who may have gone to school to get the degree and get the license, but culturally, they're not mm -hmm. competent enough to deal with that population. So you're missing mm -hmm. a big link there to be able to be part of the support system. And you're the parent. Yeah. And you have your kids in there. And you want to be able to go to work and have your kids safe mm -hmm. and be educated and just, mm -hmm. you know, come home and feed them, do your homework and get a routine. Yeah. As an individual, two questions. What do you do to support yourself and recognize when you are not well? And what do you do to support your family and recognize that they're not well? What are some of the red flags? Wow. Okay. So there was a lot in that. You, uh, <laughs> what do you do to recognize when okay. Because people will say, so, I, I know something was so, off. So but how do you know? So let me be very transparent and real. Is that, yes, I'm in the field, been doing it for decades, but I still make mistakes and do the same thing. And I'll share an example. So about, I don't know, 10 years ago now, uh, Christmas Day. I fully ruptured my Achilles. You can't be that old because you only look like you're in your 20s. I know, right? I'm kidding. Ah, 
uh, that said genetic, black hey. don't crack, genetics. <laughs> but I woke up like this. Um, yes. But no, <laughs> so ten years ago. Um, I fully ruptured my Achilles tendon mm. on Christmas Day. Running or walking or just normal? Doing a dance move. Oh. Doing a, I was doing You're the Prince. To be Jackson. I was doing Prince, oh, right? Yes. So Jack I did Jackson the whoo, into I was go, trying to do the split and all I heard was snap, crack, pop. Oh wow. And my my lip just gave out, right? And so I was like, "Huh?" I did hear a pop and I told my mom, I heard, told my whole family because we're literally opening gifts. And I was like, I heard a pop. And I was like, you know what, mom, just give me your boot, your walking boot, because she had broken her leg before. So I was like, give me your walking boot because I got to drive to my dad's house. And you were a doctor at this time. Yeah. Just be clear. <laughs> I was on my way. I was on my way. I, w I didn't finish my degree yet. But um, I was like, I got to drive into my dad's house because I got to open presents with them, too. So literally, I drove down the road in pain, drove down the road to my dad's house, get there. And my stepmother's like, my mama Rita, she's like, Brittany, why are you wearing a boot? I was like, oh, I think, you know, something pop, you know, it's fine. And she's a nurse. She's a registered nurse. And as the night wore on, she was like, it's turning blue. We go into the ER because I think you fully ruptured. And I was like, no, I just sprained it real bad. <laughs> I spent all night in the ER in Georgia, and then they told me, yes, you fully ruptured your Achilles tendon. You're going to need surgery. And I was like, nah. So I flew back to Boston. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get a second opinion. You know, again, loud and wrong. Ended up getting a second opinion. Ended up New Year's Day getting surgery on my Achilles and was man down, woman down for the next six months. Six months. Yeah, because you have to do stages. No, wait, wait, wait. If it was gone right away, it would have been less time. No. Oh. No. Okay. I mean, it, it fully ruptured. Just yeah, yeah. It was. It was basically until June where I could fully walk and function the way I'd done before. Uh, but okay, it, so explain but it, that right there with you. But either way, what happened was essentially I told myself, even though my body was Wasn't in pain, bad? it's not that bad. So where did that come from? It comes from environment, right? Seeing other relatives do the same thing growing up. I mean, let's just keep it real. You'd have family members, their eye about to fall off and they'd be like, oh, it's fine. I just pop it back in every day. You'd be like, what? Why is that normal? Where does that come from? I have my own theories about it. No, I mean, I think it's part of it is kind of the pillars we talked about before is but, a lot of that is still weighing on it. Whether you talk about access, whether you talk about money, finances, where I, I, it, I know it's a problem, but I ain't got the money to deal with this problem to the level I think it may get to. Or you go to access issues of, oh, the pain is pain, but I'm used to it. It's not that bad. I don't, I, you know, and I went to the doctor and they told me it wasn't that bad too. But then again, we aren't heard in the same way. So, you know, so it's again, it's all of those things coupled together, but it, what it leads to is black and brown folks, particularly our black men, not accessing the care they need or not receiving the care they need and therefore, as the doctor was saying, dying on all the morbidities more than any other group. Okay, so I have a theory. That's question oh, one. Like, and so then we'll talk about question two. We got like two. 10 minutes left. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> Callers. So here's the, see, I knew, like, we could say caller, but I knew it's like, you know, we need to do that. Um, 
so I think a lot of this is remnants of slavery. Mm. One. Um, so it's historical traumas? It, yes, because first off, we weren't, I, I, remember, I think it was Chris Rock mm -hmm. that said his mother, um, when, she had, when she had a problem, they didn't bring her to the dentist, they brought her to the vet. And that's within his lifetime. Chris Rock is still alive and so is his mm -hmm. mother, mm -hmm. right? Especially in rural areas and southern areas. Yeah, yeah. So there was that level of racism and discrimination, right? But then there was this, 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 there is this inherent bias. And then, like you said, the access. I remember my mother, oh my God, God rest her soul, was on, and I'm calling out the 16 bus. And this teenage girl hit my mother in the face. She punched her in the face. Oh my gosh. And my mother had glasses on. So she had this black and blue mark and everything. And um, my family knows who I am. So they didn't tell me right away. <laughs> oh, because she was about to be like, I'm going to make me lose my mom. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Someone else is going to make lose their <laughs> some else. But so when I found out, um, I scared, you know, pulled over in the road. I said, what, what? Tell me what. And I got on the phone and started calling MBTA, and, you know, the mayor, the whole thing. And what I found out was that they didn't really have a working videotape on the bus. Hmm. And the bus driver had let the person off that did this. Hmm. But also, they had called an ambulance and asked my mother if she was going to get in. And, that, and my mother, all my grandparents are Southerners, my mother was one of 17 kids, a family of 19. And she was like, no, that's going to cost me too much money. Hmm. Right, so I remember that poverty mentality yeah. of kind of you know I don't want to go through the hassles and then but it is it, it, medical debt medical debt is the number one way in which and folks she was an elder. go into debt in this country. Well, medical and for young people, it's education, it's academic, yeah, but less so now. Medi no, 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 medical no, no, no. debt That's is real. the number one debt across all age groups. So if we stratify it, yes. But across all age, medical debt. But it's more severe for elders. And my yeah, mother absolutely. was an elder at that absolutely. time. So, and then that mentality is different. And I remember, you know, elders acting like the doctors were God. Mm -hmm. And they, so they give the doctors more latitude than I think that they should. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, one of the times that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm literally, you know, I see the Harvard degree and everything. And I asked the doctor, I said, so did you, what grades did you get in the class that you needed to diagnose my mother. I was dead serious. Because mm -hmm. I knew people from Harvard and they didn't graduate at the top of their class, but they got paid because they graduated from Harvard. But they were dumb as a bag of rocks, you know? They didn't, and so he, you know, he looked at me and my mother was like, no, 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 who are you to ask? I said, he's a doctor, he's not God. Mm -hmm. And I've had people try to diagnose certain things. Doctors told me I would never have kids. My daughter's 25, mm -hmm. all right? So, you know, and in my recent, you can't see him now so much underneath the camera, but black and blue, Hematomas covering me um, because I have small veins. I've always had small veins. When I had to have IVs put in, and I told them from the very beginning, I told them exactly, you need this kind of a needle, you need this, you need to go get the x-ray because they have x-ray where my veins are. Like, I'm mm -hmm. tired of being traumatized, you guys put me in pain. And a woman of color who was not African-American was starting to get defensive. I said, look, I'm the one, these are my arms, I've been with these arms longer than you, you're just meeting me, this is what you need. Oh no, let me try it, and if I can't do it, I won't do it. Long story short, I had black and blue hematomas on here, um, on my wrists, on the insides of my arms, and it started to swell up, mm. right? And when the person finally came there after three attempts of putting this thing in, and she said, look, they told me that you advocated and said that you have small veins, but in the future, make sure they use this machine to find your veins, 
make sure they do that. I said, I did. And the nurse and the anesthesiologist was right there. And they said, she did. I said, and now what? Yeah. I did that. I did exactly that. They acknowledged that. And now what? Now my, what am I supposed to do? I'm literally laying here on the operating. I'm laying there. You're doing this. And I'm telling you how to do this. And you're ignoring me. Yeah, you're not listening. You're and not that, listening. And, the, and the, that's the thing is that's why you would say, you know what? Wh- which, which option would I rather do? Stay in this pain. I mean, it's moderate, right? Like I've gotten used, like, you know, it's kind of like you, you get used to the dysfunction. You get used to the pain. You get used to the trauma, right? You trauma bond, so to speak. And so do I continue that path? Like I'm used to it. Oh, it, it hurts, uh, but I'm used to it. Or do I do the path where it may be more money? It may be scary too. Like, and do I have the support to deal with that? It's all scary. Yeah, no, but you I mean, may not have the no, support. but I mean, I mean, you, you think about that. We said everybody, no matter who we are in life, everybody at one point in time is going to need to access that system. Everybody. Okay, so Every, we've, got, we've got five minutes. Everybody. Maybe. We've got five minutes, right? So, so let's talk what do about we do? to do. One, mm-hmm. always advocate for yourself. Always, always advocate for yourself. And bring somebody with you. And I don't care if they think you're crazy. Bring if somebody they with you. Ask you if you've ever had any psychological experiences, blah, blah, blah. If you know, you know what hurts and do not tolerate pain, whether they're doing it to you or they want to send you home without adequate pain medications. Do not tolerate that. And bring somebody else with you. Who's some... there every single yeah. time. If you've got a yeah. series of things, who can yeah. take notes? Yes, because sometimes, depending on what is said, it's just a lot coming at you at one time. And so you need someone there to advocate for you and on your behalf. Uh, the second, who takes notes. And takes notes. The second thing I would always say is in the same way that we follow up with friends or, you know, we'll watch that channel and be like, oh, I can't wait what happens next. Follow up about your health. Like when it comes to setting your appointments, if you know you need an appointment, call and then follow go. up and then go and read the and notes of the yes, summary notes of the and, and make sure that you understand as much if not more because at the end of the day you know your body best and so you need to be able to communicate that to your doctor and know what the diagnosis and the medications are and everything like that so that you know and then don't downplay Yes, symptoms. that's number three is don't go in there. Oh, my goodness. I'll never forget this. Some of my relatives would dress up to go to the doctor. My mother, you do that. Be like, oh, don't care. Who cares? You be like, who cares? If no. the doctor see you got a hole in your sock, like, you know, you're there to get treatment. But that's part of it, too, is that you go in putting your best face forward and then you you know you downplay your symptomology when you're asked no that's what they're there for they, have, they can't tell you what they think it is or what tests to call yeah, for unless you if you're, tell if, them you tell. and then you have to be more specific and so yeah. and they say how long have you had this pain oh i don't know a couple of days when it's been two weeks yeah or or years you know years you right. done had that growth for years Right. Okay. Well, it's no big thing. It ain't no big thing. Um, baby. The other thing too <laughs> is to try to find out as much as your family history to see yeah. if it's hereditary. If you can. If you can, because mm-hmm. you can't always do that. Yeah. And so you know, and some of this stuff is triggering. To be yeah. honest with you, Ooh. they'll ask how many people in your family you may not know your. You family. You may not know. But and then the fifth thing too is 
have conversations with your folks, have conversations with your family, have conversations with your community about this, because it's great if you're able to take care of yourself. But if we aren't doing it as a community, yeah. And the other thing is try to have some kind of a network so that people, how do I put this? People check in on you. Mm. Because especially as you get older and you start losing people and, start, and people mm. start moving away. Yeah. And I will never, never, never forget. I was supposed, to, I'm pretty regular about doing my shows. And um, I didn't show up for a show. And so everybody was on the crew, including my director, was like, nah, nah, that's not Sharon. Even mm. if she's late, she's calling us. And these three women, and one of them has gone, passed on. They called the hospitals, called the police stations, went by my house and were ringing and banging on the door, yelling my name for the yard and to make sure that I was okay. Mm. And what had happened the night before, I had stumbled and injured my um, ankle and they had given me some pain medications. And so I was out of it. Mm. But they loved me enough and cared for me enough to follow up to make sure that I was okay. So mm. build a family network. Do your research. Advocate for yourself. Bring an advocate with you. If you can. Follow take up. Take notes. Follow up. Yeah. And take, care, take responsibility yeah. for your life and your health. And tell folks about your symptoms. Tell folks. If you start off with a little pain, it's like anything. You think about water that drips, right? You know, any plumbers, electricians. You, you know, Go ahead. <laughs> water that drips. If you don't process that leak, you're going to have a really expensive problem down the line. So thank you, Dr. <laughs> Brandy Brooks. Again, we can have another show for another hour or so. And, and, I, and I wanted phone calls. And it calls. always goes so fast. It always goes so yes. fast. But hopefully we took you out to another level. Oh, no, we went to another level with me, too. <laughs> and I got to have you come back. Um, always. Thank you for being here with us this evening. Take care of yourself and each other. God bless you. The tables were turned and burned. The haters got just what they need. Sooner or later they will learn.